In uncertain days, it is important to remember that our world is getting ready to meet God. We are all getting ready to meet Him. The King is coming. Today, we join Scott Pauley in walking through the final book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I would like to take you today to my favorite church. Do you have a favorite church? I hope your favorite church is your church and that you love the local church that God has given you. And I've been in some wonderful churches through the years, but I'm talking today about my favorite church of the seven churches in Asia, found in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. We've looked at a number of them already, but today we come in Revelation chapter 3 to the church at Philadelphia. And it is the only church that nothing evil is said of them. Now, that doesn't mean they were a perfect church. There is no such thing as a perfect church. My grandfather used to say, if you find a perfect church, don't go there. You'll mess it up. He was exactly right. So this is not a perfect church, but they were a faithful church. And because of their faithfulness, that's what they're remembered for. I love that, don't you? You'll remember in our last study of the church at Sardis, your name matters. I mean by that, your testimony to God. Well, the church at Philadelphia had such a glorious testimony that this was the emphasis God leaves us with concerning this church. So if I was going to pick one of these churches to attend, to join, to, to reproduce, this would be the church. Now we know their location was the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That in itself is, is instructive. Remember, charity is the bond of perfectness. Love covers a multitude of sins. The greatest of these is charity. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. I, I really believe that the great church is the church that is overflowing with the love of God. But I want you to look carefully at this church today. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth, and no man openeth. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? That's one verse, Revelation 3, verse 7. He identifies the church's pastor here, the faithful messenger, but the emphasis is not on the pastor. The emphasis is on the founder. You see, the pastor is just the Lord's messenger, but the Lord Jesus, oh, look at him. He's holy. That's his character. He's true. That's his word. He has the key. That's his power. We'll come back to this opening work of our Lord in just a moment and the use of those keys but I love the fact he doesn't begin with the church, he begins with Christ. My pastor used to say that the greatness of any church is found in its likeness to Jesus Christ. The only great thing about any church is not its buildings, not its programs, not its size, not its budget, but it is the, the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ in that place. And then we come to the great message to the church. And it divides into three parts. First of all, beginning in verse 8, we get a glimpse of the church's past. Listen to it in verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Do you Hear the three past tense word here, hast. He said, first of all, in their past, they, 
they have kept my word. That's wonderful. They were faithful to the Lord's word, to the truth that they've been given. He repeats that in verse number 10. He said, Thou hast kept the word of my patience. So they did it through tribulation. They did it when it wasn't easy. They were faithful and true to the Lord. And then he says here that they had a little strength, just a little strength, at a glance that seems to be a negative, uh, that they only had a little. And yet, watch this very carefully. God is blessing them not because they are strong. In fact, we all are weak. Let's just be honest. My past, full of weakness. Your past, full of weakness. Their past, full of weakness. Uh, the, the blessing of the Lord does not come because we are strong. It comes because we have been faithful to the Lord and He is strong. You see, great churches and great believers always face great opposition. And so their past was marked by one thing. Yes, there was difficulty. Yes, there was weakness, but there was faithfulness. And then he shifts from talking about their past to talking about their prospect. I love this. He, he goes immediately to their future. Aren't you glad you not only have a past, you have a future? Uh, listen to the end of verse number 10. He said, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. There's a lot in their future. Their enemies are going to acknowledge who they are. In verse number 9, uh, they, they literally are going to see their enemies come and bow before their feet. The only way that's possible is if we're seated with the Lord Jesus because the enemies are placed under His feet. They're going to be delivered from the calamities of the age in verse number 10. They're going to receive a crown in verse number 11. They're going to be made a pillar in the house of God. What are pillars? They're permanent. In other words, he even uses this phrase, you'll go no more out. Uh, we, we gather and assemble together with God's people now, but then we must leave that assembly, but there'll come a day. Oh yes, there's coming a day. We're going to assemble together and we're going to go no more out. We're going to stay with God and with His people forever. And then the Bible says in verse number 12 that He's going to write upon them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. So they're going to have His name put upon them. Isn't that beautiful? We bear His name now in this world, but we're going to bear His new name in eternity. It's just a little hint at the access we have to all of God's fullness. God is going to keep His word. That's our prospect. So the church has a bright future. Yes, we do. And the greatest day we're ever going to live is the day we see Jesus face to face. But let me go back now and show you that in this message to the church at Philadelphia, there's not just the church's past and the church's prospect, but there is the church's present. Because he mentions here setting before them an open door in verse 7. A door that no man can shut. Oh, I love this. God's opening work. Uh, all through Revelation we see him opening things. Sin closes things. Satan closes things. God opens it up. And so God says, I'm going to give you an open door. Through Scripture, the open door is indicative of the advance of the gospel. In Acts 14, 27... Uh, they rehearsed how the Lord had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12, uh, there was a great door opened uh, for Christ's gospel. In Colossians 4 verse number 3, he said, Pray for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. 
You see, when God opens a door, we're supposed to walk through it. And on the other side of that door, we're going to find a great harvest of souls, a great advance for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This open door is not just a door for us to get out of adversity and out of difficulty. It is a great door in to all that God has for us. May I say to every New Testament Christian today, yes, you have a past, but you can't live in the past. You can only learn from it. And yes, you have a future, but you're not there yet. You, you live looking for the soon return of Christ and, and expecting all that God has for you. But you've got to live today. You've got to live in the present. And I want to say to every believer today that the Lord Jesus took His keys and opened the door of the gospel. He opened the door of faith. He set before you an open door that no man can shut. It's time we walk through it. It's time by the grace of Almighty God that we start using the opportunity God has given to us. This is the church of opportunity. Stop bemoaning the world we live in. Stop fussing about the generation we're called to serve in. And embrace it. Rejoice. Jesus is coming. This is the greatest day for the gospel. This is my favorite church. I want to be a part of it. How about you? The purpose of all scripture is to see God. In Revelation, the curtain is pulled back and we are reminded not to simply look at world events, but to look to Christ. We hope you will join us next time as Scott Pauley continues our study through this amazing book of the Bible. You may also join us right now for additional studies and a library of helpful resources at enjoyingthejourney.org. You will find several new features at our online home, and we trust they will be a blessing to you as you walk with God. Plan to visit us each day at enjoyingthejourney.org, and we look forward to returning to Revelation on our next broadcast. Keep your eyes on Christ and look up. The King is coming.